On this episode, we've got Star Wars Part 2. Special shout out to Tom and happy birthday. Daddy loves you. May the force be with you. Welcome to Part 2 of Star Wars. This is Have a Drink With Me. I'm Dylan Polniak, and with me is Tom Flynn. Hello, I'm Tom Flynn. The same Tom Flynn from Part 1. Only slightly older. Yes. (laughs) So today, we are discussing Part 2 of Star Wars, which is Episode 4, 5, and 6. Tom was in charge of picking the alcohol for this episode. And Indeed. Tell us what you picked. I picked Picklebacks. 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 Sorry, I learned how to speak yesterday. Anyway. So uh, we are doing shots of Picklebacks, which are Irish whiskey. Irish followed whiskey by... followed by pickle juice. A shot of pickle, pickle juice. juice. Pickle juice. Pickle juice. Yeah. <laughs> like a striped pickle oh, no, just going to show disappeared. up. Hey, oh. um, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> what is that? That's Charlie's Theron doing Charlie's Theron from Monster. Doing Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. Yeah, that's her performance. She won an Oscar doing an imitation of Beetlejuice. She's like, Hey, what's going on? Whoop, whoop. Anyway, so yeah, picklebacks. I every time I want to do a pickleback, I can usually get about 10 people on board with me. Everybody wants to rally to do a pickleback. And it's usually like at a wedding or at a New Year's party or something like that. It's just like, let's do pickleback. Everybody's like, yes! I don't know why. I think it's probably because I guess the pickle juice kind of takes the edge off of the shot, perhaps. Yeah, I think that's supposed to be the the whole thing. Um, I People love s- people love pickles. Yeah. But I love pickles and I love whiskey, but the thought of mixing the two just makes me feel weird. Even though I like the shot. And I absolutely will do it anytime anybody asks me to. That's great. See? No problem. Okay. So here's the thing. Pickle juice is typically green. And therefore, I think that a pickleback is probably what Yoda tastes like. If you were to drink him. Lick his bumpy skin. Or drink him. Drink his... Bumpy skin. Urine. His bumpy skin. Okay. His urine. Either or. Okay. Yeah. Possibly. Well fermented. Anyway, it's tasty, kind of salty, you know. Just like it's Yoda's. Good. Just like Yoda's personality. <laughs> He's very salty. He's very salty. Um, I love how much he was a, like a crazy person when he first met Luke. Yeah, he's, an her- he's like a hermit. But then he was like, just kidding. Kidding I am. <laughs> kidding, Justin. <sighs> and he's like. Is that Al Pacino? <laughs> <laughs> hey, the helmet boy. <laughs> hey there, Luke. Uh, wait for ya. But he he kind of like deflates for a second. He's like, <sighs> "Always with you, it cannot be done," or something like that. <laughs> and then Luke's like, "Yoda, you're Yoda," and he just like turns around and he goes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he just like growls at him. He just he moans and he lifts up the bottom of his dress <sighs> just to show Luke what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Puts it right back down. I I had no idea that you were Yoda. Yes, <laughs> I am. I see that you are. Okay. Pick this up with your mind, <laughs> Master. Picking up genitalia is one thing, but this is totally different. No, no different. Only different in your mind. Pick yours up, I will. <laughs> you do me, I'll do you. 
So <laughs> part two. So uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about our uh, both of our top 10 things from the original trilogy. Um <laughs> <laughs> I feel like every time I affirm, I give you like an affirmation, I have to go. Hurts every time. <laughs> every time. Hurts every time. Hurts, hurts every time it does. Uh, so uh, I accidentally peeked at Tom's uh, to do yeah, his to do list, his top 10 list for episode. Is that what we're calling it? My to do list? Mm, that's not what you called it last night. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, we're definitely going to cut that out, Tom. So so I saw his note earlier, and I feel like we have a lot of the same things, which we absolutely should, because if we both had completely different top 10 moments, that'd be uh, fairly dumb. Yep. So I'm going to start out. uh, This is... Actually, we're gonna we're gonna take a shot real quick. Yes. Um, We're gonna have our producer Sammy join us with this. Ah, Not a finger. Mm. I had one of those black things in my. From the pickle juice, swallowed it. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel? Uh, pretty good. This pretty is good. The, it was good. It's weird to be sober we'll on this podcast. Time. All right, so I top like ten. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do uh, ten through six, and then we're gonna take a little break. We're gonna get back to the alcohol, have a little uh, a couple stories about the picklebacks, and mm-hmm. bring it back in. Um, so my number ten. This is. That you know, uh, seeing Star Wars for the first time, like the trilogies, basically what you know what these are to me. Right. Uh, top ten would be the character of Chewbacca. Just the character of Chewbacca. Just in the general. character of Chewbacca. Okay. Um, I'm a huge dog person. You, does he remind you of a dog? Yeah, and he is a dog person, literally. Yeah. And I think he's like a good. He's man's best friend, and he's Han Solo's best friend, and yeah. he's like. He's funny without actually saying anything, mm-hmm. and he's smart. And I've always liked because <sighs> Chewbacca is played by Peter Mayhew, and I'm not sure if Peter Mayhew does his voice or if that's just Ben Burt, the sound designer, just you know having fun with grizzly bears or something. But uh, I've always really loved his his like gangly appearance because he's like really he kind of walks in a very awkward gangly way doesn't yeah. he his arms are like he it's like he forces his hands as close to the ground as possible while yeah. also trying to stand straight peter mayhew but the uh chewbacca noises are actually lions and bears all mixed together oh they are yeah okay like every part of it i think that i think peter mayhew like on set actually makes those noises probably yeah and I think he's actually like really good to a point where they don't even need to do the lions and tigers and bears noises. They just have Peter Mayhew come in and do the noises. Yeah. I'm so. sure that like R2D2 is walking around. It's Little just Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker's just yeah. like, beep bloop. Beep bloop bloop. <laughs> Bleep bloop. <laughs> don't forget about me. It's lunchtime, I know, but I'm still stuck in this can. And he's just shaking yeah. he's shaking his body left and right. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, beep so, bloop. Beep bloop. Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Uh, nothing, nothing in particular about him. Not like a certain moment. Yep. I just loved the you know, Chewbacca you character. You don't have like a favorite Chewbacca moment or anything like that. Um, okay, uh, probably my favorite moment, uh, Chewbacca, is Empire Strikes Back after three uh, PO gets blown up and he just starts picking up the pieces and putting them in his backpack. I know he's such a he's so oh, he's such a sweetie. Yeah, he doesn't you know? he doesn't get anything out of any of this. Yeah, and then he and it's thankless too because. Because he puts them together backwards. I mean, what do you expect? He's a Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Relax. He's not... I mean, he'll fix the Millennium Falcon, but, like, I'm sure that he's not... 
he's not well versed in putting together droids. Yeah. You know, but like three PO like bitches at him about putting him on backwards, and it's like give him a break. He's a freaking Wookie. Yeah, it's like uh, be thankful he doesn't smash you. Yeah, and it's like when your uh, family member asks you to fix their computer and really just need to be plugged in, but yeah. then. Then it turns on, but then there's something actually wrong with it, and then they feel weird that you don't know how to fix the actual problem with their computer. I know. And you're like, you don't realize that I just performed a miracle by fixing your computer, but it, you know. Yeah. Insert Chewbacca noise. Yeah. <laughs> what is your top 10? My... I'm glad that you brought that up because my <laughs> was I not going to bring it up? Ever? No, brought. I'm sorry. I'm glad. Chewbacca that, I'm or... glad that you brought Chewbacca. Okay, up I'm because... glad that you brought up my top ten because I was going to forget it. So Tom Flynn. I'm glad. <laughs> so awkward. So my favorite, my tenth, number ten on my list is Laugh It Up Fuzzball. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, there's a scene in Empire Strikes Back, the beginning, towards the beginning, where. Um, uh, Han Solo is kind of flirting with Princess Leia. He says something along the lines of, I just think you can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. And she looks at him and just kind of perturbed. And she's like, I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. And then you hear Chewbacca go. <laughs> and then Han Solo just like looks at him and goes, laugh it up, fuzzball. Love that moment. Because that... If you've ever imagined what a Wookiee sounds like whenever he starts laughing, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> like uh, an actual thing laughing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he sounds like. He does that weird, I don't know what the, like this little like hill of a, <laughs> of a vocal thing flourish. Uh, that's like uh, Jeff Goldblum's laugh from. <laughs> Was it Jurassic Park? Jurassic Park, yeah. Well, he's talking about digging up. And he's like, so you guys, uh, you guys dig up dinosaurs? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, laugh. <laughs> 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 I think up. he's trying to laugh and roar at the same time, <laughs> like a dinosaur. So, <laughs> so that Chewbacca is also your top ten. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Laugh it up, fuzzball is your moment. top ten. Yeah, that's that's my number ten. Yeah. Uh, what is your number nine? Okay, my number nine is the death of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, which is basically the the inciting incident for Luke in yeah. a weird way, you know, because he kind of he comes home and he sees it's really brutal. He sees their like burnt corpses just laying out in the middle of Tatooine. Yeah. You know, there's smoke everywhere. Their whole home is just destroyed, and and there you see these like grisly, burnt, black corpses that are just you know he sees all of that, and it it's gotta really mess you up. You yeah, know? he took it a lot a lot more well than I would. A lot better than you would. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more well. Is... A lot more weller <laughs> than anybody would. Uh, yeah. uh, the moster of wellness yeah. than I would have. That moment, the weird like. His hair, Luke's hair looks pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, in that sorry. point, because the wind is like blowing it, and it's like exposing this strange like cowlick slash part. Where uh, Steve, shut up. We'll have a picture of that on the podcast. Yeah, inserted. Yeah, and so he's like he's just staring at it and kind of going through this whole emotion range of emotions. Just you know, and at that moment, he he decides that he's gonna just leave everything behind. He's just nothing on Tatooine for him. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he's going to go and save the galaxy. Yeah, screw screw the harvest. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing that uh, the Empire made it easy for him. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Steve, no. Steve, sorry, my dog is uh, going crazy. Um, it's good because uh, Luke didn't have to come up with an excuse for why he didn't want to work the harvest. He was like coming of age and wanted to just drink his blue milk in peace. I know, and then, you know, <laughs> life gives you lemons. You make lemonade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the life gives you galaxy, uh, your family's murdered. Yeah. Have you seen the the fake like action figures for them? It's like burnt corpses. Two burnt skeletons just in like Aww. a little action figure case. Are, are they are they in embracing one another? Yeah. It's just like <laughs> Uncle Oni at Baru. Nice. Uh, my number nine moment is the Battle of Hoth. Battle of Hoth. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Uh, I absolutely loved that so much. Um, mm-hmm. When I first started watching Star Wars, it was probably, it was late 90s. Yeah. It was right after the re-release uh, for the VHS, the mm-hmm. special editions. And around that time, the Star Wars game Shadows of, em- uh, Shadows of the Empire came out on Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. And the first level in that was the Battle of Hoth. Right. And I absolutely loved being able to fly the ships and take out the AT-ATs. And- yeah. We'll, we'll talk about like... I mean, people had been watching and obsessing over the original Star Wars A New Hope for, you know, what was it, three years or something like that? And yeah, three uh, or four. Three years, I think. And so in 1980, Empire Strikes Back comes out and it's we open up and it's set on this ice planet. And you're seeing a battle that you've never seen before. We haven't seen it. We have yet to see any land battles at this point. Uh in in star wars and so this is the first one it's in the middle of this this icy frontier with these giant walking like robots robots that are just decimating the uh the rebellion and you're also getting getting uh the sense that the rebellion is not doing so well if their secret hideout is in this horrible awful place yeah and you know it's pretty easy for the empire to just swoop in there and and uh, start ransacking the place. So yeah, and right after the death of Obi Wan, yep. they were like immediately hit with a huge yeah. blow of of losing the Battle of Hoth. They lose the Battle of Hoth. I mean, we start off we we see Luke get get uh, bitch slapped by a uh, abominable snowman. Steve, relax. Sorry. Oh yeah, the uh, the Wampa. The Wampa. Yeah. My always for some reason I always called it the abominable snowman. I think my mom. Close I'm enough. like, I'm like, what's that, mom? And she's like, that's the abominable snowman. Um, I always had a, um, a fun fact uh, about Star Wars with me is that I own all of the Kenner action figures uh-huh. from Episode Four, Five, and Six. Yep, and as well as Three. Um, and I actually had a Wampa that had a detachable arm, and he came with luke who right who's um like the the part of his face mask kind Mm -hmm. of hung down and that part on his action figure actually you could hang upside down Mm -hmm. like you could move that part of it so that it was either pointing up in the air upside down or down like a normal person and he had the scars and stuff on his face have you seen the because originally the the rebellion hideout was going to be plagued with uh frequent random attacks by wampas have you seen any of the footage that it 
that was discarded. No, they took that, I didn't they, see that. They took that whole subplot out. And boy, be glad they did because it looks pretty damn cheesy. They just they there's a reason why they originally barely showed the, the Wampa at all. They didn't mm-hmm. show they they barely showed him. Like it was very sort of abstract, and they just kind of implied that he was there and coming towards Luke and everything, because the the technology did not was was not developed at all to to have somebody like look realistic in a suit because they would they basically just had these giant puppet hands coming through holes in the walls and grabbing people oh yeah yeah it was it was pretty laughable yeah another part from uh, the shadows of the empire game is how difficult it was to beat the wampas because they were walking all around the the level in the first like couple um but uh should we move on yeah, did we already talk about your number nine? Uh, yeah, we talked about Uncle Owen and Amperu. Okay, yeah. So, uh, in uh, you know, in Luke battling things, uh, my number eight is Luke versus the Rancor in Jabba's palace oh, from cool. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. I, I had a giant Rancor. Yeah. So did I. Did uh, did you have the one that had uh, Luke had Luke was in the pack as well, and he came with like a bone. The bone that no, you shove in the Rancor's mouth. I don't think so. I got mine from like a like a KB Toys uh, like outlet mall. Okay. Place. So it was like secondhand or something. I yeah. Yeah. I love the. Uh, I I love it because it Luke's so confident in defeating Jabba the Hutt. Right. And then just a little trap door opens and he kind of is like shuffling to grab a, or to stop somebody from shooting him and then he mm-hmm. still falls in. So it shows that he's still flawed, even though he's like this cocky Jedi, right. even though he should be cocky. Um, and the uh, Gamorrean guard falls in with him yeah. and immediately just gets eaten. The piggy guy. Yeah, yeah the piggy guy. Do you, okay, so when I, when I first started, when I first started like memorizing Return of the Jedi, I had it taped off of TV where it was edited for time. And they never had this the little scene where the the owner of the Rancor yeah. comes in and like mourns him. Yeah, after the, it's he's so like, sad. Yeah, it's so he comes in and he just like he just like looks upon the corpse of his poor Rancor, his dead Rancor, and he's like, <sighs> and there's like another alien thing that comes in with him and starts like commiserating with him. Yeah. And he's like, Melo, 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 it was so sad. I was, and I remember seeing it like on once I got him on DVD. I was like, I don't remember this scene, but yeah, yeah. And the the thing that really bothered me with it was the noise the Rancor made when the door fell on his head. Oh. And it was like it was like a dog. Oh yeah, and he goes, mm. yeah. yeah. He does that little whimper. Oh, it was terrible. I know, because then all of a sudden you feel sorry for him. Yeah, but I I love that. It, so uh, Luke falls into the Rancor pit, but then. Basically uses the force to throw a skull to hit the door. Yep. And so he like redeems himself. And you know, of course he gets picked up and he puts the bone in the Rancor's mouth to kind of yeah. slow things down. But right. ultimately beats him by throwing a skull like yeah. perfectly aimed at the door. Yeah, he had a plan. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. He may, he, yeah, he had a plan after he mm-hmm. fell into the pit. Yes. Uh, your number eight. My number eight is the Jawas transport and gonk. Do you know who that oh, is? Oh yeah, yeah. So in in uh, in episode four, A New Hope, uh, 
they three 3PO and R2D2 get picked up by Jawas and they get thrown in this giant transport filled with other like uh scrap metal and like uh droids that have been scavenged and found and they're basically going to try and sell these droids so they're basically like the ultimate they're basically pawn stars like they they have like these <laughs> these you know these like old, like there's so many different varieties of of droids and it was supposed to kind of be like an eye-opening scene, I guess, where, and it was, it was like, oh, wow, there's this world where there's just like all these rogue droids, like, you know, <laughs> like moving around and making noises and stuff like that. And my favorite one is this giant thing that looks like a, a trash can with, uh, with feet. Yeah. And Dylan has just drawn a pretty much, pretty <laughs> much impeccable picture of it. And he just makes a, so- a sound that sounds like gonk. He's like, gonk, gonk. And this is oh, um, this wasn't when the empire the empire ended up picking up a droid that looked exactly like him, and they were burning the bottom of his feet. That's in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Like, but he sounds completely different in that. Like that thing sounds. It's like no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looks the exact same though. Yeah, similar droids. But in in A New Hope, he just says gonk. Yeah, gonk, 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 gonk. That's yeah, and he's he's just kind of marching around with his little feet. It's great. <laughs> My yeah. number it's seven is actually the droids, uh, yeah. C-3PO and R2-D2, uh, to be exact. Yeah. They're like, they have like the perfect bromance. It's, they act like they've been living together mm-hmm. for like 15 years and they like love each other, but they can't stand being around each other. And they're an old married couple. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. an easier way to describe what I just right. said. I'm here for you. Uh, but I absolutely love them. Like they're just. Are you familiar with uh, Akira Kurosawa? No. Uh, he's a filmmaker, Japanese filmmaker, and he's very influential on um, on George Lucas. And there's a film called The Hidden Fortress, where uh, it's basically the exact same plot as the first Star Wars movie, where um, uh, these two, like the two, like lowliest characters, are like these two, like I guess escaped slaves or I, I guess they 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 run away and uh i think that they might even be like deserters or something i can't really they're remember. not robots they're not robots no okay. no these are these are this is a film called the hidden fortress directed by akira kurosawa and like they run into like this rogue samurai who's on a mission to go and rescue a princess and so they kind of wind up witnessing these extraordinary events so it's like it's like these extraordinary events are are just you know, seen through the eyes of like the two like lowliest characters. Yeah. And so that's kind of what what influenced uh I guess the framework for George Lucas's story. Yeah. In the and original one. The it's ridiculous how important these two are to the story as well. Yeah. Um for the most part they're the only two characters that are in all the films if you don't count Palpatine and the Emperor kind of as the same character. Yeah. Um also Anakin and Vader. But um the droids are like the most consistent thing in all the movies. Yeah, they're in all of them. Uh, 3PO is kind of like he's the guy who points out the odds and the uh, he points out that they're in incredible danger and does nothing but but like instill fear in people and doubt constantly and just reminds people that they're that they're in a lot of danger. He's just a total drag, whereas R2-D2 couldn't be more opposite him. And it's just crazy. You know, There's, they just get along. Yeah. You know, he just, he just, R2-D2 solving problems and 3PO is just creating problems, it seems. 
And Han You're just Solo the opposite. Never wants to hear the odds. Oh, never tell me the odds. <laughs> That's my great like Grover slash Han Solo. <laughs> Hello, Chewbacca. You're far. Yeah. <laughs> Yoda also. Okay. Your so, number seven. My number seven is Yoda's death. A great moment in Return of the Jedi. And he has got the cutest feet. It's like the first time that I see his feet, that you see his feet. <laughs> a little three-toed. There's a part where he goes, he just like kind of, he's talking to Luke and uh, he kind of gets exasperated. And he's like, rest I need right now. Yes, rest. And he like kind of curls up in his little Yoda bed with his little Yoda feet sticking out. And it's like, oh gosh, he's just a little guy. It's great. And then he str- he struggles. He has to tell Luke that he's not the last hope. That he shouldn't put so much burden on himself because there's another. There's another. There's another Skywalker. Skywalker uh, which is funny because they make it so that they make it so that Yoda has the hardest time getting those words out. When a scene later. Ben Kenobi just shows, shows up. And he's like, "Oh, what he meant to say was that yeah. there was another Skywalker." He goes, "Oh yeah, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's yeah." He was right, <laughs> but he was—he just—he has the hardest time getting those words out, and it's so—it's almost just heartbreaking, just because you know that he's on his way out, and uh, he dies a valiant Jedi's death, where he, you know, his body just kind of fades away. So, I don't know. It's beautiful. I think it I'll talk more about—I'll talk more about Yoda later. Um, but the, yeah, the, it took him way too long to say that. Yeah. He's like, like he was totally, is is... like he should have said it when Luke first meets up with him in that scene, he's totally fine. Like Yoda's just like, I'm getting, I'm getting old. There's another Skywalker. It's Leia. I'm gonna go die. Leave me alone. <laughs> he could have gotten it out he could so have much quicker. It out quicker. You're right. You're right. What was your number six? Uh, my number six is uh, in the Mos Eisley con- Cantina scene. There's uh, the weird alien who Bolchin. Who, who doesn't like Luke. Oh, and pig I did, nose. No, I I called him Ballface. I've always called him Ballface. Ballface. That's the bug looking guy or the the guy. The guy the guy oh, who I pushes like him around you. and he goes, he doesn't like you. I don't like you either. That's I got the death suit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll get to Watto. <laughs> or we, we got to Watto last time. So uh, anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So like whenever, whenever I see that character, I just think of uh, a scrotum. And if I ever, th- and the way he speaks is exactly the way I think a scrotum would speak if a scrotum could talk. <laughs> so like if a, if, if a scrotum could talk, it would have this like weird sort of <laughs> like, and that's what he sounds like. Like he sounds like he's been stuck to your leg all day. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah. So that's what balls sound like. That's exactly what balls sound like. Yeah, yeah. If they if they were anthropomorphized balls, you'd be like, "Hey, what's up, balls?" He says you was stuck to your legs all day, and he was stuck to mine too. Yeah. And then Obi Wan cuts his arm off. 
Right. Well, does he cut his arm off or does he cut? He off cuts the, the ball of the testicle face. Oh, okay. Because I couldn't tell if because there's two guys that they're having. Yeah, trouble testicle with. face has like an orange Michael Jackson jacket on. Oh, that's right. And he's and like super the, fuzzy. Yeah. It's weird because the wound was not cauterized with that uh, with that attack. And what's even more weird is that Obi Wan is a Jedi, and that's not what Jedi do. They don't just cut people's arms off. No, he they do. They do that a lot. They do that in another. Well, in Attack of the Clones, there's a part where Obi Wan cuts off some some bounty hunters' arms. Remember, in a bar. Yeah. Beginning of it. Yeah, yeah. So he goes around and cuts off his share of arms. Only people. in bars. Only in bars, because he is like, I have to have a drink. And so I think he gets a little, a little tipsy and starts cutting people's arms off. Maybe. I have to have a drink. <laughs> oh, I have to have a drink. The a drinky poo. Episode one. Mm-hmm. Um, of have a drink with me, not Star Wars. Um, my number six. Yes. Speeder bikes. Oh yes. I thought this was the coolest scene. The first Star Wars movie I ever saw was Return of the Jedi. Okay. Yeah. Um. Thanks, Mom, for letting me see them out of order. But that was the first one I ever saw. And the first thing I ever remember from Star Wars is the Endor scene with Luke and Leia mm-hmm. versus the uh, the speed, what, speed troopers. Yeah, no. Yeah, the, the guys, yeah, Luke and Leia kind of have to team up to to take on this legion of, uh, of stormtroopers on speeder bikes in uh, the on the Endor moon or the, yeah. The moon of Endor, and um, they race through these, uh, the, you know, basically the redwood forest, and um, yeah, it's freaking exhilarating because yeah. the sound design, the fact that there's no music in that scene, I don't think there is. Just the but just the, that freaking sound design by Ben Burt is yeah. incredible, and I yeah. love when uh, there's a part where. Han attacks one of the troopers and he like flips him over and hey! makes yeah makes like a squeak noise when he lands and then when yeah. Luke and Leia are chasing one and they th- or they uh, Luke cuts the front off of the speeder bike <laughs> and the yeah. the trooper jumps off he hits the tree and it makes another squeak noise like somebody yeah. stepped on a dog toy that where where that trooper gets get gets like smashes into the tree that's great stunt work I mean that's I don't know if that's like a dummy or, or something but it's it didn't look like one yeah i don't think it, it was but it's pretty painful looking yeah that That's was good. one of my favorite scenes from uh, any of the star wars movies because uh, yeah. i'm from northern new york where there's like a lot of forests and stuff and i camped a lot growing up so yeah. i always imagined being on a speed bike while Dude, camping so cool and i always thought the set design was so cool because i had never known about the redwood forest the living on you know the complete opposite side of the u.s yeah. so i was like oh these trees are amazing and the cool thing was that what they did was they i know that for plates for background plates they just they took a steady cam and took a little stroll through the redwoods to, to shoot the background plates so they just they just walked around mm-hmm. and they would go like they would have the camera go through little like cracks in the trees and, and it was just, it's incredible. Like I, I think that the photography there is, is really great. They under undercranked it so that whenever it was played back at 24 frames per second, it appeared to be going incredibly fast. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Great, I had, uh, uh, I had speeder bike action figures mm-hmm. and 
there was a button on the back. So while you're like riding with them, you hit the button on the back and then it breaks into three pieces. Mm-hmm. And the way that it, it broke was it detached uh, under the seat and it flipped it forward. Mm-hmm. So like the character would fly off with it, holding onto the handlebars. And I thought those were so cool. I used to run around my house all the time with those and just crash them everywhere. I, I love the scene where, where Luke basically jumps off of his bike and then he just kind of gets up and then like ignites his lightsaber and you're like oh hell yeah yeah and he like deflects all those laser blasts and then cuts the the head off of one yeah he just cuts it right at the at the poles and and then that's the scene where i think that's the scene where the bike spins and then blows up okay so my like we can just go ahead and go into my number six which is i yeah let's see i have it here vader and luke's final fight which, Final fight in Return. In Return of the Jedi, yeah. And I've always thought that it's it's a strange fight because we have all this pent-up aggression towards Vader because to us, he's the guy who cut off Luke's hand. There's all this conflict that they need to resolve. And you want to see them fight. You want to see Luke win. But if he fights, he's going to turn more towards the dark side. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to see him fight, but yet you kind of do as sort of like a, a fulfillment type of thing. Steve, shut up. So, um, yeah, and there's that really cathartic moment where uh, where Luke is hiding and Vader is trying to like taunt him, getting him to like show himself. And he's he's like reading his mind. He's reading his thoughts. And he's like, you know, if you're not going to turn to the dark side, then perhaps your sister will. And then that sets Luke off and he goes, Never! and he yeah. just goes apeshit and starts fighting, like just going to town on Vader. And it, the music kicks in there and it's like this really cathartic, like, you know, men's chorus of like, Ooh, and it's, it's really, it's really great. Just really powerful stuff. Uh, and then Luke finally gets Vader down. And, and that, at that point he's basically beaten beaten vader you know he's he has him down he starts going to town on his hands chops off his hand uh yeah and then real then finally realizes that him and vader both have their hands missing (laughs) well yeah well he's become he's he looks at his own hand his own mechanical hand and realizes like i'm no better than vader yeah he's mostly machine or he's going to be mostly machine like right right he's he's turning it's just a reminder he's turning toward the dark side he's giving into his hatred which is what the emperor wants that's part of his final plan he wants somebody to replace vader that's apparently like that's the sith way is like there's always a master and an apprentice and the master eventually uh turns someone against the apprentice and i guess it's up to the you know whether or not the apprentice is any good mm-hmm. to determine whether or not they get to stay the apprentice or become the master. So yeah, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. I love it. And yeah. another thing too, is you don't, you want Luke to fight him, but it's also his dad. Yeah. It's also his dad. And we, I think as the, as an audience, we're starting to warm up to the idea of Vader could possibly be good deep down. Yeah. You know, um, and then he is. He says it's too late for me, son. He's earlier in the in the film. He says like there's there's good in you. I can feel the conflict in you. And he says it's too late for me. And that's kind of heartbreaking a little bit, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, yeah, 
there's a comic book out. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but it's it's kind of a what if. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one is what if. Um, it's what if for Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and it shows Vader surviving the whole thing, mm-hmm. the entire entire movie, and then at the end they uh they're all meeting up and vader walks in the room and he's wearing the exact same suit but all white and all i could think of was hello kitty have you seen the vader hello kitty suit somebody wore it for cosplay yeah it's like white and pink i've seen it firsthand that's all that i could think of but like clearly what the person's trying to portray is that He's white, you know, he's wearing the white because he's the, you know, he's good. Yeah, he's the dark, he's the light side of the force. And then that was the end of the comic book. Like, he just Mm -hmm. walked in completely white. It was so funny. Uh, Star Wars Infinities is the comic book. They did a three-part series. They did one for A New Hope, one for Empire, and one for Return. And each one, they do a different set where it's, what if uh, Yoda dies before Luke gets to him? The second time, mm. uh, what if Leia was the chosen one instead of Luke? And then uh, what if they didn't blow up the Death Star? In the first one? Yeah. Okay. So or uh, the fourth one, yeah. whatever. So yeah. the, in the, in four, that's how, you know, that's how it starts out. Like right. that last scene, but it doesn't do anything. It's pretty great. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, number five. What did you have? Number five. Uh I have the final space battle on the second Death Star in uh, Return of the Jedi. That is one of the most amazing technical feats to me. Just because, you know, nowadays we're so used to uh, to CGI and, you know, computer-generated uh, ships that it, we've become so jaded to the fact that back in, you know, the 80s, 1982, 1983, when this movie was being made, they were using all models. And every movement of every model was basically determined by a motion control camera that re- that repeated. They would program a movement into it, and they'd repeat it every single time for every single ship that they were trying to film and animate. So that, to me, is flipping astounding. I think that's that's just craftsmanship at its finest and uh you know the people who pioneered these effects have have you know launched filmmaking and just visual effects in general into like a a new realm and they deserve that i think they got a special oscar for it that year like i don't think any star wars movie really won any oscar other other than like technical achievements and stuff like that but they definitely earned their stripes on this one yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. uh the practical effects in star wars are probably my favorite thing i can't believe that i didn't add them into my top 10 just that that going into like it kind of it's it's reminiscent of the the battle of yavin at the end of uh a new hope where they go down into the the sort of like the corridor like um ravine i guess yeah in in uh where you know they're going the through the canyon i guess yeah in the death star they actually go inside the death star in this in return of the jedi and that like there's so much uh movement and visual interest going by the camera that it's just amazing and it's even more amazing when you realize that stuff's all practical yeah they didn't and like and it looks so much more realistic than any of the cgi well because it and, is realistic right but it, it felt like i was in space 
watching this huge right. ship get attacked. And then it, it, you go inside. They go inside to the core of the Death Star, and you see this big generator. And they, you see them actually like shoot the final uh, torpedoes into it, and you see it kind of like fall, and it like pops sort of like a giant zit or something it's just like all this fire just comes right out and goes into the into the corridors where the you know the basically the millennium falcon lando is trying to race it out before the fire catches up with them and so they basically outrun an explosion which to me is amazing yeah yeah and i i love um han solo's love for the millennium falcon he's like i i I got your word not a scratch right not not a scratch um and that alien too that's that's like co-piloting Nian with Nun. uh yeah he's like eh, 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 eh. yeah dude yeah i love me and numb yeah i have his action figure i have them all yeah uh my number my number five is just the force mm-hmm. i love the idea of it and you know uh as mentioned in the first you know first part mm-hmm. midichlorians whatever but i love that it's something that can be just kind of pulled from everywhere. Yeah, I've heard that. Like, I've heard people talk about it as 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 if it's like religion, kind of distilled into its essentials, almost like a uh, a Jeet Kune Do of religion. Jeet Kune Do is Bruce Lee's martial arts form. That's basically martial arts stripped of all of its like pageantry and mm-hmm. and beauty and all that. Just just the essentials. And it's basically like a very Jeet Kune Do punk rock version of religion where it's basically all that matters is good versus evil, you know, and we are all way more, uh, we have more potential than we think we do. I, I think that's a very appealing thing about the force is that it's it's within all of us. And that's why the, the DeClorians thing is such a travesty because it's like, oh, no, it's not in all of us. It's only in a, in a few people. Yeah. And um, I have a part about that. We're going to talk about Force Awak- uh, Force Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Force Awakens uh, in a little bit. And I have a mention with the midichlorians uh, thing. But I love I, I loved it more like you can control things with your mind and it Mm -hmm. is it's i mean it's yoga it's a space yoga basically but um Mm -hmm. but i loved that you know you could pull a ship out of the swamp you could grab your lightsaber to murder that wampa can we can we go into my next one because this is this segues beautifully into it yes we can my next one my my number three i guess is uh is Oh, you're skipping. My, I don't know. I think it's we haven't my done next four one. yet. Maybe we. Maybe I went too four fast. Four is the next one. So this is my my next one. Uh, Yoda's pep talk to Luke in uh, the Empire Strikes Back is probably one of my all time favorite scenes in like cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea, like Yoda explains, like so Yoda and Luke. Uh, are training right now or at this point and uh, Luke is basically doing like a handstand he's controlling rocks with his mind he's moving rocks stacking them up he's having like R2-D2 levitate and you know uh, Yoda is sitting on his foot Yoda's sitting on his foot and telling him that you know you're going to be seeing things you're going to be seeing things from the past and you're going to be seeing things from the future and don't be afraid of the future it's just things that you know things like images of, of your friends images of people long long gone things like that and you know just let it pass through you and luke 
sees basically what's happening to his friends on Bespin at that time. They're being tortured by the Empire. Mm -hmm. And so he freaks out and uh, he, you know, all these external forces sort of enter his brain. He's thinking about like his ship that's sinking. He's thinking about like his, you know, Darth Vader. He's thinking about the Empire. He's thinking about his friends. All this stuff is just way too much to bear. So he, he breaks concentration and falls. And so Yoda gives him this freaking pep talk that is just inspiring. It's so inspiring to me. He just says, you can do it. Yeah. Well, and that's it. <laughs> well, he says, do it. You can. He's, he says, big boy. He says, we're never going to get it out. We're not, I'm never going to get that. I'm he's never like, going to get it out. He's like, it's, and so he tries <laughs> to get it out. He like, he goes, I'm just thinking of Yoda's, <laughs> Yoda's dick. <laughs> oh jeez! Lift it, you will. Sorry, back to pep talk. <sighs> I'm getting emotional here. I'm talking about Yoda's dick. <laughs> Picklebacks are finally uh, kicking oh. in. Okay, so uh, Luke emotional. Luke attempts to uh, to get his ship out, and he can't because he just thinks it's too big. He can't do it, and he sits down, exasperated. Steve, relax, and. Uh, you know, he says, well, look at me. Don't judge me by size, do you? And he's like, he, ba Yoda kind of breaks down the force in a very beautiful way. He's just like, it's this, it surrounds us and it, it penetrates us. It's between me, you, the rock. It's even between the ship and the land, you know, it's, and luminous beings we are, you know, we're, we're not this crude matter. And like mm -hmm. Yoda grabs Luke by the arm and it's it's just like he's saying like you're not just this matter this like matter of muscle you're you're a luminous being you've got you have all this potential that's untapped and uh you know and who can't relate to like just being done with everything and just being like just saying fuck it mm -hmm. you know but no you can do it you can do anything and he says you know even before like before before Luke tries to get the ship out he says all right, I'll give it a try. And Yoda says, try not, do or do not. There is no try, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing. You know, I think, I think that that's just so inspiring. And the fact that, that if you think about how many collaborators were involved in bringing this scene to life, there's, you know, you've got Frank Oz, who's the puppeteer. You've got Irvin Kershner, who's the director. You have Mark Hamill, who's acting opposite this puppeteer you've got all the artists who sculpted and crafted this this beautiful uh puppet of yoda and you have like you know the visual effects artists who animate the ship coming out you have john williams who has this like all these amazing this amazing score that that propels the scene forward and you think about things like this and if any one of those collaborators drops the ball the scene fails mm -hmm. it doesn't work but when all of those collaborators are firing on all cylinders and working together to make something uh that give, that elicits an, an emotional response from you that's magic i think i would have absolutely loved to have been on set for this absolutely because i'm sure almost every single scene that they filmed everyone was going insane after they got the right take like in right. a good way, everyone. Yeah. I I would have had goosebumps and cold chills. Yeah, after I mean, literally every scene, even the scene where like where like uh, Luke is trying to get the ship out using the Force, and we cut to just a shot of 
of Yoda, like with his wide eyes. And you can tell like, okay, you know, that's a puppet, but that puppet wants this to work. He's Mm -hmm. hoping he's pulling for Luke, you know, Mark Hamill is act is acting opposite this puppet and making us believe that he's real. Ugh. Yeah, that was a great thing too in all the in all the movies. Sorry. I never and still don't. I don't look at any of the characters in the movie and be like, "That's a puppet." Right. And yeah, they did a, a great lifeless, job of that. It's a lifeless puppet brought to life by many people in a collaborative effort to create magic. There's a great uh great video I just watched the other day on starwars.com and it was showing the canteen or uh sorry, not the cantina scene, the uh Jabba's palace scene and all of the puppeteers that had to do Jabba crumb mm-hmm. the musicians everybody and how they had them all standing under a stage and there was two or three people, you know, one person's just Jabba's tail and another person's yeah. like his hands and stuff. It was it, incredible. Um my number four, mm-hmm. which we'll move on to. Sorry if I went on. No, Sorry. it was a beautiful moment. <laughs> beautiful moment. Uh, I've had a lightsabers. Few. Lightsabers. Yeah. Lightsabers as a weapon. Um, when I was watching, uh, I started watching Star Wars probably 96, 97. When I really got into it, got all the action figures. I already said that. Um, and then when the new movie started coming out, I uh, worked at a video store. And... I had a lot of downtime. So I started this. This is when I first started writing ever. And I started working on a couple scripts, like script ideas of things that I wanted to do. And Star Wars was so fresh in my brain that I was like, I need to come up with a weapon as cool as a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. And I never could and never did. So I worked in a video store, video rental store, and uh, the new movies had just started coming out and we were getting ready for uh, prequels episode three. Okay, yeah. yeah. And I had started writing. The first thing I had ever started writing um, was a, a script and I was trying to come up with a cool weapon to use. And I just kept thinking of lightsabers because all I did was watch Star Wars movies at work and get ready for the new the new movie mm-hmm. and I could never come up with anything as cool as the lightsaber. And I just thought it was like the greatest thing. You're just holding on to this small thing. It's just strapped to your belt, but then, you know, it's you, you built it. It's yeah. shaped how you want it to. It's the crystal that you want to use. It shows yeah. if you're a good guy, if you're a bad guy and well, see, that's all stuff coming from the expanded universe, right? That's not really in the movies, is it? Yeah. But I, I mean, that's great because you've, you've, you know, there's something about Star Wars that makes you want to dig deeper. Yeah. The, like the, uh, so Luke gets his hand cut off in uh, Empire mm-hmm. and he loses his blue lightsaber that was Anakin's mm-hmm. with his hand. And then he comes in with a new lightsaber that's green for return. And Vader says, I see you've constructed a new lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to see. There's a deleted scene. You've seen. Have you seen it? I haven't seen the deleted scene okay. of him making it. Yeah, I mean, it, I there's been other interpretations of it that I think are more elegant. Uh, basically, just from the Clone Wars, you know, the Clone Wars uh, cartoons where you see like a, a lightsaber being, you know, like a stone being selected and all that stuff, yeah. and people use the Force to bring it together, and and I think that's really cool. But yeah, and there is a deleted scene where it shows. Luke kind of like screwing it on like it's a flashlight or something. Oh, like awesome. Yeah, there's a scene where he's about to like he's hiding out. He's hiding out in the uh, in a cave on Tatooine 
where he's constructing the new lightsaber and R2's there and uh, he's about to send R2 on his way to go uh, and uh, talk to Jabba, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how I haven't seen that, but I think that's a great, a great thing. That's all. I, I, that's what I was thinking of every time I saw it. I was like, I just want to see Luke picking out his crystal, picking out all this. Because if you, you know, if you follow all the movies, you kind of see that the the up and coming Jedi are all blue, but then like the Jedi Masters are all green. So Yoda was green. Uh, Obi Wan was blue in the first movie, and then he ended up having a green lightsaber. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of how it worked. Like the, you know, Padawan apprentice has always been blue and then Jedi Master's green. So when Luke finally had the green, then you know that he's... His skills are complete. Yeah, he's yeah. a Jedi Master now, mm-hmm. which is, uh, it's odd because, you know, looking at the first the first three movies, uh, episode one through three, you see that it's a long road between apprentice and master. Yeah. And Luke just kind of... Kind of won it a little bit with Yoda, but he was taught from the best, which makes sense. True. My number three, moving on, is I am your father. Oh, shit. I totally didn't add that at all. Yeah. Um, Yeah. In fact, I even think that's my number two. I think we might have gone to me twice a couple times. So I'm at at my number two. You only have two left? I only have one left after this. All right. Uh, so, so we'll do yours, then we'll skip to mine, and then we'll go back, yeah, back yeah. to yours. So uh, I am your father. Um, that is probably one of the most significant moments, if not the most significant moment in uh, the original trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's one of the most significant moments in the entire Star Wars. Yeah, that's the story thing. right there. That's yeah. the big thing. That's like the realization. There's so much going on. It's it's the realization that Obi-Wan kind of lied to him. Why did he do that? Why didn't he tell him? Uh the idea that Luke might be might have some evil in him, you mm-hmm. know? Uh also like when I when I first saw that, I was kind of I mean, yeah, I we saw the scene earlier in the film where uh you see Vader's head from the back yeah, and you know that, Oh, there's a human underneath there. There's mm-hmm. something underneath there. And I didn't know if it was human or if it was alien or what. So, um, I was, that was kind of confirmation. I am your father. Oh, that's a human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize that that's a human. Um, but yeah, like that was astounding. Not, not just, that, but I mean, like it was the way that he cut his his son's hand off. Mm-hmm. So brutal, like I, that alone. That his hand being cut off, like I don't think I'd ever seen somebody's hand get cut off in a movie before. When I first saw that, when yeah. I was that young, I probably hadn't either. That was pretty scarring. I thought that was intense, very um, intense. Another another moment with that is uh, with with Obi Wan not ever telling Luke this. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, yeah, it makes he sense that Anakin said, was dead and the Vader persona killed him, but still, that's yeah, not a he's cool like, thing. Yeah, he's like, from a certain point of view, kind of a cop-out. I don't know. Maybe that's... But I, I get it. Like, if they told Luke right away that, oh, Vader's your dad, he would have... It was way too early before his training for him to, like, accept that yeah. without trying to join his father's it side. It also informs... Because Luke breaks his training 
and decides to go and help his friends against the uh, the urging of of Kenobi and Yoda, Yoda yeah. to stay. They're they're urging him to stay. No, 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 no. You have to stay and complete your training. Your friends, uh, if you honor what they fight for, then yeah, you should let them go because. Right, this is only going to be bad. So I think that if Yoda and Obi Wan had their their druthers, they would have been fine with Luke just being ignorant to the fact that that's his father. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they were protecting him. Yeah, and uh, not until not until I got a little older did I realize that there was a struggle mm-hmm. between Luke being good and bad. I never really picked up on that. I always thought well, like, oh, Luke's the hero in this because I was. I was probably seven when yeah. I first started watching it, and I was like, "Oh, Luke's the good well, guy." Yeah, I mean, and I never thought for a second that Luke was ever going to go bad, but I knew that I knew the dark side was trying to, you know, make him join. Right. But I never, for one second, ever thought that Luke was going to join. But now watching them, I could, well, I can see it. Like, oh, like Luke shouldn't have left his training. He should have no, stayed. No, he should. He should have. Yeah, and uh, he's not ready for that. He's way too young to be dealing with those things. And, uh, yeah, cause he's only like 19 or 20, something like that. He's old enough to be serving in the war, you know, to be fighting in the rebellion and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But like, uh, they kind of ended on a weird note where, you know, Luke has just gotten the shit kicked out of him by Vader, like just in a really, really brutal fight with empire. Yeah. An empire. Yeah. And then he's like, he like cherry dropped all the way down into this these this abyss that has spat him out in in this you know with these like weird and upside down antenna things yeah it's like a satellite he, for the bottom of the ship that he hangs off of uh and he eventually gets you know picked up by Lando and Leia mm-hmm. and um then it shows him sitting there and there's this weird moment where he's kind of communing with Vader Vader is like speaking to him he's saying like son come with me and then all that Luke can say is, Ben, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me? And, and I, that's all. That's how we leave it. Yeah. That's, we th- we're like, wow. He's, he could join the dark side, mm-hmm. you know? My one uh, part of this, my one gripe with this trilogy is after watching the new trilogy, mm-hmm. the one gripe I have is that Leia says that she remembers her mother. And yeah. Leia's mother dies giving birth. Yeah. So but, I don't know if she's talking about Bail Organa's wife. No, I think that she's talking about through the force. She remembers images of her mother. I'll she doesn't remember that. anything. I'll accept that completely. She seems, you know, sad. <sighs> you know, I, I think I think it's through the force because I think Leia, the force is within Leia. Yeah, I'll allow that and I'll completely accept it. So that was your... But in the end, I don't think George Lucas knew what he was talking about or what he was doing. Yeah, um, yeah, we've discussed one through three and... Already, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was your number two. So I'm going to go back to three if that's okay. Go ahead, do your thing. So my number three is the Sarlacc pit scene. This was... uh, uh, I loved this so much. Bum. Bum. The uh, the one thing that I never had, the one ship that I always wanted that I never had in all my action figures was the Jabba Skiff. 
mm-hmm. the ship that everyone was on when they were going to throw Luke into the Sarlacc pit where you would be digested for a thousand years. Mm-hmm. I love that scene so much. Uh, I didn't like that Boba Fett was killed. Like watching it now, I don't like that Boba Fett was killed so easily. But watching it as a kid, I was glad that Boba Fett was like taken out. Well, because he wasn't a big, he wasn't, he didn't have the weight to him that everybody attached. Well, I, I was happy because I loved Han, and um, yeah. I was mad that that someone would do that to a person because I I didn't think of it. You know, I didn't really know bounty hunters, and I didn't know what the whole thing was like. Right, bounty hunters. The only time I'd ever heard of those was Star Wars. You know, Dog the Bounty Hunter didn't exist. There wasn't anything like that. So, um, you know, his death was fine to me. But now mm. watching through and as I get older, I'm like, there's a lot they could have done with Boba Fett, which I think they're going to do in future films that that they could have done. It, it would have been amazing. And I would love to seen everything, you know, everything that he'd done. And in the you know expanded universe and all the comic books and stuff, he's been in those. Right. But Sarlacc Pit loved it. Han was blind and was shooting at the Sarlacc's tentacles to save Lando, and Lando is like just freaking out. Just a little it. higher, yeah, just a little higher. And he didn't want it to happen at all. Um, the main character who was pushing Luke off the edge, mm-hmm. I have his uh, his action figure. He actually played drums for the band for Jabba's. Can't, or Jabba's in the special palace. editions, yeah. In the special editions, he did. They inserted him in the special. Oh editions. yeah, yeah. He's just it's playing on like symbols and stuff to the side. Stupid. Yes. <laughs> um, but Sarlacc Pit was my favorite, and I reenacted that so many times with my toys. Nice. I didn't That's have great. sand. I didn't have a Sarlacc Pit, but I was like, "All right, you're in. You're walking off the end of the bucket that I own, or that I had all my action figures in, and." uh just kind of nudge the people off the edge. Sarlacc Pit was my favorite, like favorite scene from Return. Nice. Um, another thing that has to do with this, um, one of my, f- one of my absolute favorite things from all the Star Wars films are the bounty hunters. Oh I've, yeah, this. Uh, yeah. I thought they looked the coolest. IG eighty eight, Bosk, Dengar. Which Boba one's Fett. the? Which one's like the lizard looking one? Bosk. Bosk. What does he say? Does he say something like that? I don't know what he says. He's like, bounty hunters. We don't need their scum. Yes, sir. <laughs> He's so great. And they have him in the comic book. Captain Nita. Doing his, his yeah. things. But I thought the bounty hunters were great. And I loved in the uh, Shadows of the Empire video game for N64, there was a level where you're fighting IG-88. And it's the first time you really see him do anything. Because mm-hmm. he didn't do anything in 4, 5, and 6. I think he, he was stood there. I think he was, he was made of leftover set dressing or props yeah i, I or think something that like that yeah, i heard that yeah. too but uh i thought he was badass and then you fight him in like a kind of like a garbage train hmm. it's like a, a train i believe it's going to an incinerator and it's like a planet that has a bunch of just junk on it it's like right. a you know incinerator cool. junk nonsense but you get to fight him but i love the bounty hunters i think they're great mm-hmm. um none of them really did anything except boba fett and then Boba Fett mm. kind of had the worst death in the Star Wars films. I know. For like a main character. For a character that you start to love. Well, I've heard that he didn't die. I well, heard that as well. I mean, But that's that's old EU, so it's not canon anymore. All right. Great. Okay. Um, I hope that he exa- escaped and that in Force Awakens we learn about this. But uh, 
All right, let's move on. Your number one favorite thing from the original trilogy. Okay, another moment from Empire. Uh, the whole time throughout Empire, uh, if you if you yeah if you factor in the novel Splinter of a Mind's Eye, yes, Luke and Vader have met, but since that's not in the movies, I'm not counting that, and I didn't yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't see that like when I first when I initially saw the movie, I, I had no idea. So to me, the moment that Luke and Vader finally meet on Bespin and have and start their duel, that's the first time that they've faced each other ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Luke knows of him, Vader knows him from uh the Death Star battle um in the first movie, and like uh, the the whole there's so much tension because Luke knows he shouldn't be there. We know that he shouldn't be there. That something horrible is going to happen, and he's going to have to face Vader. And so there he there's a moment where he walks into that dark, uh, blue and orange lit room mm-hmm. like the carbon freezing room in Bespin, and um, he sees Darth Vader for the first time in the darkness, his silhouette. And as you just hear the breathing, there's no music at all. It's just the breathing of Darth Vader. And he says, the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. Mm-hmm. It's intense. It's a great, great yeah. scene. And then they just, it's just like, okay, well, I guess we're just going to fight. Mm-hmm. And it's not the elegant fighting of the prequels. It's not like the Jedi in their heyday, like, you know, fighting. It's It's basically you know, down and dirty fighting. Let's just kill each other. And Luke was, Luke was never trained for, yeah, neither to be w- an yeah. eloquent, eloquent, uh, right. And I feel like Vader probably, I mean, the truth, the truth, the, the, tr- the truth of the matter is that, <laughs> yeah, like this was, this was made before that style of fighting was cinematically in vogue. And so they weren't even thinking about that, but I feel like this packs so much more weight and, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, meaning because there there's depth to what's going on in the scene rather than just, Hey, let's show some cool moves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, the prequels are, are the fighting. In the prequels is, is great, whatever. Fine. But what I meant um, was, uh, yeah. you know, Luke, Luke was trained as a Jedi and basically that he needed to stop Vader. Right. So it wasn't like lightsaber, duels weren't like a an right. art artistic and it was thing. more of a psychological thing this yeah. this battle was more of just like he's trying he's trying to wear this boy down mm-hmm. and this boy is so far in over his head that he doesn't know you know he has no idea what he's getting himself into yeah and that's probably to me the most intense moment of the entire trilogy yeah yeah I love these movies. I think they're a great story. And the more that I watch them, the more I absolutely love them. But my favorite thing from from all of it, favorite scene, weapon, ship, toy, character, is Han Solo. I think Han Solo is the coolest character any movie has ever made. Mm. Just like the way that he's like, you know, him and Leia. I love, I love you. you. I know. I know. That scene is that scene is awesome because then they take him away and they they like lower him down in the pit and he just like looks at her. He's so like vulnerable in that moment, yeah. you know. He's the coolest dude and 
I don't know. I just loved Han Solo. Uh, in one of my favorite movies, 500 Days of Summer, there's an amazing scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's excited because he just had sex with Zoe's character. He's having a great day. Yeah. He mm-hmm. just banged Summer. And he looks into a car window, and it's Han Solo winking back at him. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's amazing. Han Solo is my probably my favorite character from any movie ever. He's just he's so cool. He has all the the right things to say. Mm-hmm. He's quick witted, but the guy loves love. Oh yeah, as much as he says he hates it, he loves love. Yeah, and I love that. Oh, mm-hmm. <coughs> okay. So. Uh, we are actually taping this episode right after the last, uh, trailer for Star Wars episode seven, the force awakens, uh, has just been released. And so, um, we, everybody, the, the community, the star Wars community is, is ripe with theories and ideas about what this movie is going to be about. And we are actually... We we are I think at the time of this the release this the movie this will be uh, December fifteenth. So the days. movie is only a few days away. I, I have my tickets for the seventeenth. I have my tickets for the eighteenth at seven p.m. at the Chinese Theater. I got the Cinemark Eight uh, reclining leather seats, six bucks. I cannot wait for this movie. This is going to be so much fun. So we have our predictions for, yes. well, not necessarily predictions, uh, more so what we think might happen, but kind of what we would like to happen as so well. Let so let me, let me just, let me just be the first to say spoiler alert with a question mark. Oh yeah. Spoiler alert maybe? on all of this. Um, well, mate, um, cause we don't know on four five and six. I mean, if you don't. Okay. Well, of spoiler course. alert on what we've already said. Yeah. And spoiler alert, maybe. On the trailer or the yeah, fucking if movie? you haven't seen the trailer and if you're keeping all of this hush hush, uh, just listen to this part. Oh, shots after. Yeah. So anyway, uh, my idea of what the new Star Wars movie is going to be about is uh, the search for Luke Skywalker. We got to find Luke because he's the last known jedi master the last living jedi master right yeah he's the last living jedi master so i think Uh, these people yeah in the movies okay in these movies uh he is and i think that these that these new characters have sensed uh an uprising of the dark side Mm mm-hmm not necessarily the Sith, because we have these this the, the knights, knights of Ren. the Knights of Ren, who are now essentially like the you know harbingers of the dark side of the Force, mm-hmm. and so uh, the dark side has a new uprising. So we need help from a Jedi Master. So where is Luke? We haven't seen Luke Skywalker in any of the promotional material for this film. We've seen maybe uh, a shot of him putting his mechanical hand on R2 and we've heard dialogue taken from like return of the Jedi. No, because he says my father had it. I have it. My sister has it and you have it. No, that's taken from him. He says you have that power too, to Leia. I believe, I believe I'm right. 
I know I'm right. He says my sister has it, and I believe you have it too. He says that to Leia. No, they've re they've re edited it to make it sound like it's appropriate for the trailer. So it's so you don't think that he's actually saying he's this no to because a new because earlier he says I have a power. I have it. My father has it, and my sister has my it. sister has it, and, and he you goes have it. and she goes she goes wait you have a power what are you talking about and he's like yes and he's like. I have it and you have that power too or something like that. And uh, yeah, he says that earlier in the conversation. Then he goes, and my sister has it. It's you Leia or something. So that all of that, that little bit has been Frankensteined, Frankenbited from uh, the return of the Jedi. That's, I do want to say, I don't agree with this. Okay. But well, I will. Uh, I know I'm right. So Tom's no right. big deal. But I don't cool. Agree. <laughs> if you go and watch that scene, every line of dialogue is taken directly from it. From but I don't Return think the they Jedi. would cut a new trailer for this movie to say for him to say that, and then nothing happens with that because people are going to be like, uh, "Didn't they say that somebody else has it? Like, where's the scene where Luke says that his father has it, he has it, his sister has it, they and were, you have it?" They're they're just using. They're they're quoting Return of the Jedi to imply that somebody else has it. Okay, and that that that's fine. Right. They can do that. But uh, so anyway, so like they, uh, I have a theory that there's a search for for Luke Skywalker, and I also think that uh, Ren or no, what's Kylo her name? Ren? No, oh, Kylo Ray. Ren, Ray. I have a theory that Ray, the female character in the movie, and um, uh, Kylo Ren mm -hmm. are both brother and sister. Who are their parents? Han and Leia. Okay. They're twins, I think. All right. And Kylo Ren wants to live up to his grandfather's uh, plan. And that's that's what you think of for the entire Force of... The Force Awakens. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, those are those are my predictions. I think that yeah, Kylo Ren and Rey are brother and sister, and uh, and yeah, Kylo Kylo Ren wants to fulfill Darth Vader's plan. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. Um. I w uh. I want to get into uh, my predictions with this, and I'm I feel a lot of the same things as uh, as you said. Okay. Um, I feel like the Emperor is still alive. Uh, from Return of the Jedi, okay. and that he has brought Kylo Ren to Genosia to get Anakin Skywalker's hand from his battle with Count Dooku and Yoda from Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, where Anakin first loses his hand. Yep. Um, because, um, as pretty much everyone knows, spoiler alert, blah, 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 uh, Ren is obsessed with Vader. And he essentially wants to bring Vader back, and I think he's going to in the in the in episode eight. So he would need something of Vader's in order to bring him back to life. And the only thing that still exists besides his suit, because everything else was burned, is the hand that was cut off from episode two by Count Dooku okay. when he was still Anakin. Um, so I think that. I think that Ren and Ray are brother and sister. Oh, you do? Okay. Yes. You agree with me. And I believe that they are Leia's kids, but I don't think that 
Han and Leia are still together. I think that the, I, yeah, I agree. I don't think they're still together, but I think that they might have had kids together. Okay, I don't think that they're both the parents. I think that it's only Leia. Okay. Um, with Poe, Poe Dameron, 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 Poe Dameron, that one. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be the new Han Solo. I think he's going to be the cool badass character that's going to take the uh, take the new trilogy into bigger heights. I think he's going to be like the cool guy. Um, honestly, I think him and Ray are going to have a thing. It's going to be a, a Han and Leia kind of thing, but mm-hmm. I do think that Finn is going to be Lando Calrissian's son. I just really? have. Well, is I the universe think really that small? I well, it's not the universe. We're following one family's story. I know, but you know he, that there's other people in the galaxy that are fighting similar things. There's Empire in all different parts of the galaxy. There isn't just one no, I know. character. So I think that I think he's Lando's son because John Boyega is using an American accent and he's not using a British accent. That's true, but I think I honestly think it's just a chaotic thing where he just happens upon he's kind of like the He's, I guess, I think he's sort of the new Luke Skywalker because he's lost. Mm-hmm. The all the trailer and promotional material points to him being lost and just like you know deserting the Empire, etc. Um, and finding like you know like there's a scene where Ray offers her hand to him mm-hmm. and he joins up. He like literally joins up with her and her cause. And so I think he has uh, an altogether new cause that he's fighting for because everything that he, he had was, was lost or something like that. That's, that's his dialogue in the new trailer kind of implies that. Yeah. And uh, so I, I either think that, but I've, I've been watching star Wars rebels and there's a character that uh, Ezra is friends with in, I believe episode five, episode five or episode six of season one. And he he meets him in Star Wars or uh, yeah Star Wars meets him in Stormtrooper like Academy kind of and he's a he's a black character um, I can't think of his name I just watched the episode today but I think that uh, Finn could also be this character if they want to tie Rebels in with the new movie right. which would be amazing hmm. um, so I think uh, you know um, Kylo Ren is trying to bring Vader back. And I've heard that Hayden Christensen is coming back for episode eight. So with the whole hand thing, that's totally plausible. Um, And with Luke, I think there's two things that might happen here. I think that with Kylo Ren, this is basing everything off of my original idea. I think with Kylo Ren finding Vader's hand in Genosia, Anakin's hand in Genosia, he's also looking for Luke's hand in Bespin to clone Luke as well because they are the last most powerful Jedis. And I think that in this movie, we're going to see a dark and light Luke and that one could potentially be a clone. That was a test for Kylo Ren making a clone of, of Vader. Okay. And that, that's a completely crazy idea. Yeah. I mean, I see what you're saying. However, I uh, if if you're right and they're trying to clone Vader, I think that's 
fucking stupid. <laughs> well, it it'll tie in both of the trilogies because Maybe. there's Camino. Camino already exists, a place yeah, where you, you can clone people. You don't need and, to. You don't but need if to. you're obsessed with something, like if you were obsessed with me and I died, you would want to clone me. Maybe. <laughs> See? And you would say, all right, well, if I want to clone someone, where am I going to go? But does Oh, that- Camino, because I watched the first three movies. But does that make an interesting story? No. I, I feel I like there's ways that story. they could make maybe, it interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe. They but could I really make like any storyline interesting. If, if they're um, doing that, they better get prepared for a lot of fan backlash because that's fucking dumb. I honestly think no matter what they're going to do, there's going to be fan backlash with oh, that, sure. with fifty sure. percent of the movie. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's just how it is. You can't I can, please I, everybody. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like whatever. Okay. Uh, one last thing that I want to say about. All of this leading into Force Awakens from uh, episode uh, one till episode six leading into seven is uh, midichlorians. So everyone has an issue with this being like, uh, you know, kind of a blood cell that you're born with. If you're going to be a Jedi, the force is midichlorians in your body. But they don't talk about that in four, five and six. That's just a one, two and three thing. So what I think this whole midichlorians thing was in episode one through three, at that point, a Jedi was born with midichlorians. And once Order 66 was executed and all the Jedi were killed, all of their spirits became the Force. And there were so many Jedi that it just kind of became like nature almost. Just everyone could feel it, but only a few oh, okay. people actually interesting. accepted it. Um, which is why... There's no mention of, yeah. There's no. That's why there's no mention of midichlorians, even though the timeline doesn't, you know, match true. up. True, um, but I mean, like, if it's that's... a good way to write off midichlorians because J.J. Abrams says that they're not part of the new films, and that's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's a very, it's a dumb thing that Lucas did. I mean, but they don't. They don't. It's even Lucas's need story, to. so whatever he did wasn't necessarily dumb. But. Yeah. As a is. fan, I don't think that it's it's a good way to to tell it all. Yeah. I think a lot of people say like, yeah, George Lucas, it's his story and everything so he can do whatever he wants, and I I say it's not his story. He didn't make Star Wars what it was the fans did. Yeah. I think That's exactly what it is. He I don't think he expected it to be as big as it was going to be. Right. And fans Fans made it more of a story than Lucas ever. Yeah, could've. I mean, yeah, he he birthed the idea. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like in order to create a phenomenon like Star Wars, it's not it's not simply the ideas of a creator; it's the ideas of a community of people. I yeah, think I absolutely agree. But okay, yeah, cool. Well, I've absolutely enjoyed this because I Me love Star too. Wars so much. And I'm so excited to go see these movies. Me too. Uh, I've got both of my tickets set, and I've got five hours allotted to Star Wars starting the 17th so of December. So in a few episodes from now, we can probably tell you our thoughts on the new Star Wars movie if we want to, maybe. I hope so. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for a December 30th Star Wars follow-up. To see how right I was and how wrong you were. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I can guarantee <laughs> that was a you. Dick thing to say. <laughs> I can guarantee you that the that those Luke Skywalker lines from the trailer are not in the new movie. All right. 
Uh, I will buy you one whole drink if I'm wrong, and you buy me one whole drink if I'm wrong. Okay, good, because I'll be thirsty then. Wait, if whichever one, whoever's right buys the other one a drink. No, whoever's wrong buys the other one a drink. All right, thank you for listening for this episode of Have a Drink With Me. I love you. Tom loves you. I love you, Dylan. Tom loves me. Yeah. You're